You are Locked On Jets, your daily New York Jets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Jets podcast for Wednesday, July 28th. 2021. I'm your host, John B. from gangreennation.com, and today our episode is brought to you by the live NBA Draft show. NBA Draft goat Chad Ford, Locked On NBA Draft host Raphael Barlow, and Locked On NBA host John Corrales will be live this year covering the NBA Draft. It's Locked On NBA Draft 2021, brought to you by Built Bar. Get local expert analysis on each pick. Follow Locked On NBA on YouTube today and watch our live coverage on July 29th at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. This is a daily podcast covering the New York Jets with new episodes Monday through Friday throughout most of the year. If you enjoy the show, subscribe to it where podcasts are found and we'll deliver new episodes to you each day as they are posted. And also give this show a five-star review. That helps us out quite a bit. Training camp 2021 is officially underway for the New York Jets. They held their first practice today and still no Zach Wilson. The second overall pick still has not agreed to a contract with the team. Hopefully it will happen soon. But on today's podcast, we are going to do our weekly mailbag. Since it is Wednesday, most weeks, we have a mailbag show on Wednesday. Thanks to everybody who sent in questions. And of course, we, we begin with a Zach Wilson contract question. I'm a big Joe Douglas fan, but the Wilson contract saga is arguably part of a troubling trend of Joe D's stubbornness and unwillingness to budge on anything. While having a plan and sticking to it is a good thing and a refreshing change for this franchise, he seems to dig in on even the smallest things and sometimes loses the forest from the trees. We of course don't know everything behind the negotiation stalemate, but how concerned should I be that Joe Douglas seems to get tunnel vision on the small things and loses sight of the bigger picture? Well, I think there are a couple of aspects to this. I think for the most part, Joe Douglas staying firm in negotiations is a good thing. And as you said, a refreshing change. I think the way he approached free agency this year was very good, much better than the way the Jets have approached free agency in the past when they've given out what I think are reckless deals to guys like C.J. Mosley and Trumaine Johnson. It did cause some frustration at the beginning of free agency among a lot of fans because you see other teams across the NFL, including our rivals in New England, making all these big money moves, bringing, bringing in free agents, and you wonder why the Jets aren't doing anything. But slowly the moves began to add up over time, and the Jets left themselves with flexibility and in a position to take advantage when a guy like Morgan Moses became available and had to settle for a cheap contract. I think you want a general manager who drives a hard bargain. Now, as far as Zach Wilson goes, my read on the situation, and it's not just my read, it, there are many other members of the media who have said the same thing. The issues with the Wilson negotiation seem to be driven by ownership. And why do I say that? I have a tough time believing Joe Douglas cares when Zach Wilson gets his bonus payment. So the rookie wage scale essentially sets how much of a signing bonus Zach Wilson gets. That's not up for negotiation. The amount is set by the rookie wage scale. Wilson is getting a $23 million signing bonus, or I guess it's really $22.9 million in a signing bonus, but it can, be it can be negotiated when he gets that money. Wilson presumably wants all of the money right now. 
the Jets seem to, according to reports, want to delay the payment of some of that $23 million. And that's an issue that sometimes comes up in these rookie deal negotiations. I doubt Joe Douglas cares when Zach Wilson gets his money. So that one is pretty clearly driven by ownership. The other reported issue is offsets. And that's a situation that would come into play if Zach Wilson was cut. And let me give you an example of how offsets work. Dwayne Haskins, Washington cut him, and his entire contract was guaranteed because first-round picks contracts are guaranteed. After he was cut, he signed with the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think he has the deal for like 875000 So because he signed that deal with Pittsburgh and because his contract included offsets, the $875,000 he's getting from Pittsburgh is money Washington does not have to pay him. So Washington essentially has to pay him $875,000 less because his deal has offsets. So essentially, the player does not want offsets. The team wants to have offsets in the rookie contract. And while you know, maybe Joe, Doug, you know, maybe you could see a, a reason that the general manager would care about that. This has been an issue in the past for the Jets with other general managers. This was one of the issues that prevented Sam Darnold from signing with the Jets. That was one of the things that led to Darnold's holdout three years ago. And Mike McCagnan was the general manager then. In fact, we could go back eight years to 2013. You may remember D. Milner held out, and it was over offsets. And John Idzik was the general manager then. So when this keeps happening over and over again, I kind of look at ownership because this is three different general managers this has happened with. And the other aspect of this is that this is the third time in four years the Jets have had a top three pick hold out. In an era where the rookie wage scale has drastically reduced the, the the number of rookies holding out, And again, there have been multiple general managers over this time. So when you have this many holdouts in an era where they're so rare in general, either the Jets are picking the most stubborn players who have the most ridiculous requests imaginable, or they're doing something wrong with negotiations. And the fact that this has happened over multiple general managers makes me feel like this is an ownership call. Now, if you want to get on Joe Douglas, I think it is fair to say Joe Douglas has just been empowered by this ownership. So he's at a point where he, you know, he's never going to have more power within this organization. He's never going to have more credibility with ownership than he has right now. So I think you, it's fair to ask, why is he not going into the owner the owner's office and saying, you know, this is ridiculous. We got to get this quarterback into camp. You know, you, you can't you can't keep the quarterback out of camp over these. I think it's fair to criticize Joe Douglas if you want to over that. And again, a lot of this is just my read and the read of other people in the in the media. Maybe it is Joe Douglas who's the driving force behind the stance the Jets have taken. And if he is, then I think he deserves criticism because these are things that don't matter. See, the way the Jets have negotiated in free agency, that's good. That's where you want to have the hard line because free agency can destroy you if you don't do it properly. You can destroy your cap situation. You can get player. You can just waste money. The stuff that gets negotiated in the rookie deals, that's really not that important because the rookie wage scale, which came in to effect in 2011, the current essentially what the current system is, that takes all of the really hard parts out of the, out of the dealings between the agents and the general general managers. In the past, I mean, you could have to sign a guy who's a rookie who's a high pick to like a forty million dollar guarantee before he's ever played it down. 
and that was that was that was something that could be negotiated. Not so much anymore. The stuff that the stuff that's up for negotiation is really small stuff. It's like offsets. It's like the timing of bonus payments. There are a few other provisions. What it shows me is that anytime you put two people with big enough egos into a room, they can figure out something to disagree on. Now, what practical impact does the Wilson holdout have on the Jets? Well, as long as it doesn't last that long, it's not a big impact. Now, it is, it's something the Jets should have avoided because the Jets had a little bit of momentum heading after a really, really difficult era. It felt like the Jets were turning things around. Lots of excitement, new coaching staff, an offseason people thought was really solid. Jets starting to look like a professional franchise, a draft class everybody loves. You had some momentum. You had the fan base excited. You had the media saying good things about you. This it was kind of a needless. This was, this was kind of a self-inflicted wound. So you're, you're hurting your reputation a little bit. But at the end of the day, I mean, does that matter a whole lot? Well, I guess on, in one sense, you'd like your fans to be happy. You, you don't want your fans. You don't want to get your fans angry after such a difficult stretch of football. After, after how bad the last decade has been. You finally have your fans excited. Why do something to agitate them over something so minor? I don't get that. Is that going to have a big result on the field? I mean, probably not. It's probably, in all honesty, as long as Wilson signs within the next few days, we will never remember this holdout. We'll forget about this holdout. If this lasts a little bit longer, I, I don't know the exact amount of time it would take for this to happen, but if, it, if we get to the point where Wilson's preparation for the season is impacted, we're going to have a big issue. I don't think that's, gonna ha- that's how it's going to play out, just because every incentive is to get this thing done as quickly as possible. So my hope is that cooler heads eventually prevail. Yeah, but yeah, I don't think that these things that the Jets are negotiating with Wilson are really worth the fight that they're putting in. Frankly, I don't think they're worth the fight from Wilson's perspective either. I mean, I think it's very fair to say that these are very small things that should not prevent a deal from happening on either side. So hopefully these sides come together and I mean, common sense is yet to prevail, so maybe I should not rely on common sense that this deal should get done because we've gotten to the point where training camp's begun and the, the deal's still not done yet. But I still have hopes that eventually these, these sides will figure things out. I mean, it just doesn't make sense for anybody to drag this out for that much longer. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit using promo code LOCKEDON. It's one word with no space, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. These are protein bars that taste like candy bars. Built Bar has nine delicious flavors, and there's something for everybody. And if you haven't tried all the flavors yet, you can get a mixed box where you get two each of the nine flavors. Not only are Built Bar flavors the best tasting, but they're healthy too. And if you go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15, you'll get 15% off your first order. Again, it's promo code LOCKED15. It's one word, L-O-C-K-E-D, number one, number five, for 15% off at Built Bar. B-U-I-L-T-B-A-R.com. 
This is the Locked On Jets podcast on this Mailbag Wednesday. Our next question, how are we going to go into the season without an NFL-ready quarterback on the roster to back up Zach Wilson and help teach him? Are the Jets being cheap? Does Woody need the money? What is the thought process here? I think that there are a couple of legitimate criticisms of Joe Douglas so far during his brief tenure with the Jets. I think it is too early to say whether Joe Douglas is the right general manager or the wrong general manager. I think that there are some things that make me optimistic and there are some things that make me pessimistic. One of the things that makes me, that makes me pessimistic, one of the things that, that I think he's done a poor job at is quarterback depth. Last year, they went deep into the offseason before they finally got Joe Flacco, who I think was a pretty underwhelming choice. And this year, I really don't get what they've done with Mike White and with James Morgan. I guess, they, I mean, maybe they really believe in Morgan since they just recently drafted him. But, you know, this is not a good enough group. I don't think that this is a good enough group. I don't think you necessarily need a veteran quarterback. By the way, the Jets apparently were working out Josh Johnson and Sean Mannion today. If you want a veteran quarterback, I mean, that shows you why just having a veteran doesn't really help you that much. I mean, neither of those guys is going to help the Jets as far as quarterback depth goes. In fact, whatever building leverage against Zach Wilson is, bringing in Josh Johnson and Sean Mannion for a workout is the opposite of building leverage. That's that's like that's that could not be further the opposite of building leverage. Um, you need guys who can play. I mean, as much as I like the idea of having a veteran who can kind of show a young guy the ropes from in a more practical sense, you need a quarterback who can play, you know, Trey Lance out in San Francisco was the second to last first round pick to sign. He finally signed his contract today, but you did not hear the same level of criticism directed at the 49ers. And I think part of that is just because they have somebody who's going to be able to start for them. If Lance is not ready and Jimmy Garoppolo, I think from, it's not so much that you want somebody who's to be a mentor. It's, I think in a practical sense, you want somebody who can play. You want somebody who can step into the lineup if Wilson shows he's not ready. If, And I hope this doesn't happen, but if he signs too late to be prepared for week one, or, you know, again, you hope it doesn't happen, but if he suffers some sort of injury, you want somebody who's capable of winning games. Sometimes that's a young quarterback. I mean, remember, sp- speaking of Garoppolo, remember when Tom Brady was sus- suspended? And Garoppolo went out there and won a couple of games for the Patriots. In fact, Jacoby Brissett won a game after Garoppolo got hurt. Although I guess it wasn't really Brissett, if you remember that game. It was a Thursday night game against Houston. Those were young guys, though. Those were guys on their rookie contracts. You know, I, I always talk about Kirk Cousins, his rookie season, when he was backing up RG3, went to Cleveland, won a big game for Washington in a year where they made the playoffs by one game. It's not just about having a veteran. It's about having somebody capable of playing. I'd rather have a young guy who can play than a veteran who can't. Unfortunately, the Jets don't really have veterans, and they don't really have young guys. I don't think it's Woody being cheap. Jets, Jets spent plenty of money this offseason. Jets have consistently spent to the cap under Woody Johnson's ownership. I mean, there have been a few years where they've saved some money, but Jets have never been afraid to spend money in free agency. I mean, think about some of the names I've complained about through the years. Think about all the ridiculous contracts they've given out. <laughs> I've complained. I've complained about them plenty. Um, I don't think it's being cheap. I just I, there are certain positions where Joe Douglas just doesn't seem to prioritize an important role. You know, kicker is one of them. Backup quarterbacks another. I think it's an area where Joe Douglas is open to quite a bit of criticism. Next question: If the Jets had a league average quarterback instead of a rookie, pick your favorite of Carr, Cousins, or Kyler Murray. How would you rank the Jets, and what would you project their record to be? 
Well, I guess when I'm making my projections, I'm kind of banking on the idea Zach Wilson's going to be a league average quarterback. So, I mean, I see the Jets as like a middle of the pack team. And this, again, that's because I'm hoping Zach Wilson's going to be a middle of the pack quarterback. So I think they're a team, probably my, my expectation for them would be about seven wins or so. You know, if you get some injury luck, if maybe the schedule breaks, fortunately for you, you get a few lucky bounces. It's a team that could be better. I think this is a team that if it gets the right breaks, can make the playoffs. But I think it's a team that needs the right breaks to make the playoffs and have a winning season. But I think baseline, I would expect quite a bit of improvement. I think this is a vastly improved team based on what they've done in the offseason. I think the coaching is certainly going to be better. We'll, we'll leave it at that. But I think the Jets, I mean, I think based on what the Jets have put around Zach Wilson, I think league average quarterback play is a fair expectation. So I'd say, you know, if you replace Wilson with some generic average quarterback my expectations would be about the same because i'm expecting wilson to be league average next question john do you think it would be best for the jets organization long term if both darnold and wilson have good careers it would show that this franchise was so dysfunctional no quarterback could succeed and the issues weren't all all darnold it would also show that joe douglas picked the right quarterback to lead this franchise and he's capable of doing the job with the johnson meddling i guess my biggest fear going forward is we, we revert back to our old dysfunctional ways I don't think Darnold really makes a big difference one way or the other. If Sam Darnold goes to Carolina and has success, I mean, that's good for him, but I don't think it really impacts the Jets. The only way Darnold kind of impacts the Jets is that the Jets own a couple of Carolina's draft picks next year because of the trade. So I guess you know maybe you should root against Carolina because the worse Carolina is, the better picks the Jets get. I don't know that it has a big impact on the franchise, though. I mean, let's say Darnold goes out and plays really well and, you know, makes good on his promise in Carolina. Nobody's really going to care if Zach Wilson is as good as advertised. You know, when the Chargers let Drew, Drew Brees leave in free agency, they had Phillip Rivers. Phillip Rivers stepped in and played great. I mean, I, I'd equate it to, you know, if Darnold has success and Wilson has success, I'd equate it to, you know, if you're dating somebody and it's not right and you break up and you both find happiness with somebody else, you're happy for them. And, you know, if Wilson goes out and performs well, Jets will be happy. It doesn't matter what Darnold does. If Darnold has success, that's great for him. If he doesn't, you know, he doesn't. I don't think it has that big of an impact on the team, though. That's just my two cents on the matter, however. This is the Locked on Jets podcast on this Mailbag Wednesday. Our next question. In general, both team and individual performances during training camp are rarely an indicator of how they will perform in the regular season. For example, Quinnen Williams was invisible in training camp last year and had an outstanding season. I'm always torn on how invested to get into training camp and preseason performances. Are there examples where training camp and preseason performances would change your perception of the team or a player going into the regular season? What level of production would you need to see to sway your, your thinking? It's a very good question, and I tend to fall on the side of not reading too much into training camp performances. This is the way I kind of view training camp, or, or uh, this is the way I view a player's season. I kind of like to think of it as like a book, and training camp is like the first chapter. So if you see somebody playing particularly well or particularly poorly, you take note of it, but that does not make the entire story. Then you move to chapter two, which is preseason, and many players who stand out early in training camp do not carry that performance over to preseason. You see, every every season, there's some guy who gets a lot of buzz the first couple of weeks of training camp, then the preseason games begin, and they do not play that well. If the player 
continues to perform into preseason then you you turn the chap you turn the page to early regular season you just want to keep seeing the players sustain it so the way i view it is if a player's performing really well in training camp it could be a sign that they're on an upward trajectory it could be the first indication that we get that this player is really improving but you need to see more because as i say frequently if you listen every day you know you know how often i say this if you got to october and heard that somebody had three great practices in a row it would it would do nothing to change your thinking about that player you need to see it when the games actually begin there are always cases i mean you may remember not a jet but victor cruz remember back in uh 2010 how he had that monster game against the jets and that was kind of a sign that this guy was going to be able to play in the nfl back when he was with the giants uh you know a more recent example with the jets i'm staying at the wide receiver position robbie anderson his rookie season he was an undrafted free agent signing who at the beginning of camp seemed like seemed like he did not have good, good odds to make the team by the end of training camp, like he was a lock. By the end of preseason, he was a lock because he was playing so well. And you could see that maybe there was something in this guy. And for every guy like that, there's somebody who stands out and you know doesn't really perform. You know, I also don't think you can read too much into somebody not performing. I mean, sometimes you're using training camp to try and improve some aspect of your game you know a defensive lineman might be trying to learn a new pass rushing move so they may focus on that at the expense of more effective moves that may be the reason for their lack of production you know sometimes teams want to test guys so they put them in different situations to see what they can do maybe not put them in positions where they're most likely to succeed so you you just have to i don't think you totally ignore it but you just kind of view it as like the first chapter in the book and you see whether that performance can be sustained both good and bad I hope that answers the question. Um, you know, it's it's not everything. It's not nothing. That's all for our show today. Thank you so much for listening. This has been the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. As always, if you enjoy the show, subscribe to it and leave it a good review. Have a great Wednesday, everybody. We'll be back tomorrow to talk more Jets.